How are we going, mates? Welcome back to the top step. We are back. We had a couple weeks off. I've been away. We're going to get into all that, where I've been, what I've been doing. We have a brand new sponsor. We're really excited about that. We're going to tell you all about that as well. We're going to talk about the Mariners, where they are, about kind of that midway point of the season. All-star break coming up. So where are they sitting? How are they looking? Some things to look forward to, some things uh, that aren't so good. We're going to dive into all that. George Kirby, some things. We're going to do a George Kirby breakdown, what I've been seeing of late. Yes, he's been good, but there's one thing he's really got to fix, especially for this second half. So we've got plenty to get to. It's good to be back. Oh, and by the way, i got this Blink-182 t-shirt. I'm going to explain where I got that from. Uh, coming up right here, we've got... Plenty to get to. Before we get into all that, make sure you go click subscribe. Tell your mates if you haven't already. This is a fun podcast. We do a Mariners uh, Monday, every Monday, and then Graham Balfour joins me as the week goes on, and we get into everything around the league, have some good laughs and some good times. So listen to us on the on the drive to, to work, uh, when you're working out, uh, meditating, mowing the lawn. I'm giving you a hint, by the way, the lawnmower. I'm going to tell you all about that in just a second. All right, guys, let's get right into this version of Mariners Monday right here on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. On the breaking ball, he struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. This is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He, he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. All right, mates. Welcome back. It is good to be back. Like I said, I've been gone for a couple weeks. So basically, uh, what I was doing, I had these young Australian players. If you don't know already, I have a business. It's called Next Gen Baseball. You can go to nextgenbaseball.com, nxtgenbaseball.com. That is uh, basically my company, and the big um, light at the end of the tunnel for that company is basically getting players really good opportunities into college baseball, professional baseball from Australia, but I work with American kids too, but I do everything from camps. I've got some massive camps coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks here in, in uh, Seattle. It's awesome, man. We, I've gone from uh, 2016, we, I started, um, I'm now running solo with the company. I'm so grateful for that. I've got these big camps um, that we've built up, built up. Uh, and so we've got like 120 kids coming to Bellevue. We've got 100 plus coming to Seattle. We've got a soft, our first softball camp with Daniel Laurie. Anyway, but so we've got some really cool we, – we do camps. But the, the big thing I love to do, and if you go to the website, you can see the alumni page, is get kids into colleges. That's what I love to do. So basically what I had, I had 11 really, really good Australian players. Some are already committed to uh, schools like Oregon State. They came to Driveline for a week. We've all heard about Driveline. A big shout out to those guys down the street. Um, you hear about it all the time on broadcast, right? So all the best players in the world, they, they not all of them, but a lot of them, go to Driveline, work out from the hitting and pitching side, and you hear these success stories. But this facility, I've got to say, it is ridiculous. It is unbelievable. The place down the street, it's right here in Kent, Washington, and had a chance to take these Australian kids there. And they got assessed. They did motion capture. They did force plates. They did um, blast motion sensor. They did this full full-on assessment, and they sat in, um, just like Shohei Otani, who goes there as well, or Nolan Arenado. Um, you go in there, and they do this full-on assessment. At the end of the week, you sit there, and they break down you know, where your weak links are, where you compare to other high school and college kids or professional kids. 
It's unreal. So we did that for a week and then I took him uh, showcasing um, down in Northern California. Love to do it. So I've been busy doing that. Then I had to fly back to Australia just for a weekend. Uh, I know I mentioned this earlier on a, um, another episode, but one of my best mates uh, he's going through some tough times right now. Um, he just lost his wife. So we, I, had, I went home for the weekend and saw him. So I've been kind of busy. But um, with all that being said, it is good to be back. Good to be back on the broadcast too with the Mariners. Um, got a chance to watch the Yankees series and the uh, Orioles series. I worked the last couple of days. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. Before we do though, before we do, uh, a couple of things. First of all, big congratulations to Luke Hayhow uh, and Glenn and Laurie, his parents. Now, Luke is one of my next-gen kids. He was on tour with us. He just committed to the University of Hawaii. So big shout-out for Luke. Congrats, man. I mean, super jealous. Uh, but when I when checked it out, this kid's a stud, man. 90 to 92, 93s. Um, but he broke some records down at the lab at Driveline. Big six foot two. 230 pounds. Uh, the kid's a stud. And he's I've known the kid since he was tiny. If you if you go on Next Gen Baseball, you'll see I'll, I'll put a little I should put a photo up actually of us standing there at my first ever baseball camp 2016 with these Aussie kids. This kid's tiny. You should see him. I went to pick him up from the airport and I picked these kids up and I was like, man, look at the size here. So happy for the kid. He's been working really hard. And there's some other kids too who um working really hard right now to get into schools. All right. Before we get into all that, I mentioned we have a new sponsor. I'm really, really excited about this. This is awesome because you know why I love this sponsor is because this is something I was already using anyway, right? So Manscaped, if you haven't heard of them, I'm sure you have all my fellas out there and ladies. Uh, I know a lot of dudes my age listen to this. So Manscaped, they've got the nose trimmer. The, it's called the Weed Whacker. And they've got the lawn mower. These things are legit. The best ever you'll use. And thanks to you guys, because we've been building this show, uh, Grant and myself, we've been starting to take this a little bit more seriously. And we're starting to um, start to get sponsors, which is awesome. Because what happens is then we get to make better content. We, bet to have, we get to have better interviews in person with your favorite players and all that stuff because sponsors like Manscaped are hooking it up. So I'm going to do the official read. And I'm going to talk more about it and how you can take advantage of Manscaped as well. So... All right, here we go. Here's my official one. Baseball is back. And I know everyone wants to hit a home run, but you can't do that when your untrimmed bush is starting to look like Wrigley Field. Get your game on point with Manscaped, and uh, you can start scoring on and off the field with their top-notch grooming products trusted by 8 million men and women worldwide. Grab some Cracker Jacks, a hot dog, and the lawnmower 4.0, and let's play ball. Don't forget to use the code TTS. For 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Very important. Go and, you, by the way, you're supporting the show when you do this too. So, like when you go and, and get something for like 20 bucks or whatever, you're basically, you are sponsoring the show. If you do that, give me a shout out on social media or um, on, on our website or wherever. So, hey, man, I got my Manscaped. And we'll give you a shout out big time because, like I said, the more, the, you know, if the, the more people who actually go and get the, the best trimmer, here we go, I'll turn, I'll turn it on. That's right, the nose trimmer. I need one of these before I go out and do some TV. Um, if you, uh, yeah, like I said, if you get this, well, then they're like, oh, these guys are awesome, right? And people are actually listening and they like our product. And then guess what? It's, a, it's an even better relationship. So trim your bat and balls with Manscaped to get into the MVP discussion this season. Most valuable player, of course, with the code TTS at checkout for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TTS at manscaped.com. And my Aussies, same thing for you guys. 
from Australia, you can get it. You're supporting the show and you're getting the best trimmers in the world. Clean up that neck hair, nose hair, and everything else I don't want to talk about. Oops, turn that off. All right, let's get into it, guys. So, uh, very exciting, by the way. Grant and I are going to have some fun with the old Manscaped next uh, episode as well. All right, so let's get into it. The Mariners, man, what an interesting situation they've been in. So, you're starting to hear um, Jerry DePoto, the head of baseball ops, and Scott Service, you know, start to use some words and some very strong words when you think about it too. So, Jerry DePoto, he was on Seattle Sports on uh, on the Jerry DePoto show on on with uh, Mike Salt, and he used a word which I found interesting. So he was talking about the team and talking about how they're underperforming, and he's taken responsibility for the way he built the the roster and everything. And he said a couple things. Number one, he said that the the young players seem to be distracted. Now, I don't quite know what he means. I haven't gotten to the bottom of exactly what he's talking about when he says distracted. But I think what you're starting to see, and I've seen this before because I've been on teams that have been, wait, by the way, uh, expectations are completely different, but, but a lot worse when we've just absolutely spiraled out of control is because when you're a young player, you don't quite know how to sort of weather the storm, right? So I think when he's saying distracted, I, I don't know, I think he's talking about, and Scott Service kind of backed this up pretty much the same day and said, oh, you know, lack of focus, um, you know, hitting and stuff like that, right? But when you say a word like distracted, it's kind of like, it's kind of that thing where, you know, from a player's point of view, that you're losing focus because you don't quite know how to get through some of these tough times. Maybe some, maybe that's kind of what it is. But the other thing that he mentioned too, and this is the more important one, he said there's the standard setter. They need a standard setter in the locker room. Now, what he means by that, okay, because I've been there, is having those veteran players that set the standard. And what that it doesn't mean that veteran players are going in there messing around, but basically you need someone who just is able to have those good conversations with young players when things aren't going well. You can't put numbers on this. Sorry, you can't put, you know, um, you can't create stats out of this. There's no metrics to explain this. It's kind of like that, you know, you you rock up to work, you've had a bad day or you're struggling, let's say 0 for 15 or 0 for 20 or whatever it may be, and you walk in and you just got that one dude in the office, right, or in the clubhouse if you're a player, that you walk in, they just make that good strong eye contact with you and then they just ha- start having a conversation. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, hmm, where's this going? Now, or they're starting to pick up things that you, they may not, that you may not see that they see uh, from a hitting standpoint or from a pitching standpoint. And then they start talking about, yeah, man, hey, a couple of years ago, I was going through this and th- this is what I did or blah, 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 blah. It's just these easy words. It's basically someone setting a standard who's been through it before. Now, I'm, I sound like a broken record. I know a lot of people do, but... Last year, I know the dude only hit like 200, but Carlos Santana, this is why some of these players kept talking about Carlos Santana, even Julio Rodriguez, because listen, look at where he's been, all right? He has been in the trenches on a couple different teams, and he's been there before, and he just has that knack about helping out younger players, even when he's gone over 20. So sometimes when the veteran players are struggling, it's really hard for them to kind of have the presence of mind to say, you know what, I need to, to get beyond myself here as far as a player and I need to figure out what's going on with some of these younger players or the everyday players. So one thing that really stood out to me, I love this, man. The team was struggling. As we know, Scott Service had the meeting. Um, he had a little team meeting. It was quick. It was precise. It wasn't too crazy. It wasn't some big blow-up session or anything like that. The next day, they come out. They just come out firing against Domingo Herman, put up a boatload of runs, 
Now, Colton Wong, all right? Now, I know a lot of listeners here, if you're rolling your eyes, if you're a Mariners fan, Colton Wong, he's been struggling, all right? He's had a massive career in the big leagues, but he has been struggling this year. I think it's his ninth year or something like that. He's, I think he's the second most senior, he's the most second, second senior player behind AJ Pollock, right, on the team. So he's been around forever. He's had some good years too, man. He's been on some really good teams. But if you notice the first couple of months, he was quiet. He was kind of head down. And I get it because you, you, you care so much about you, about what's happening in your output and your performance and you feel like you're letting everyone down. So that he was quite, he was super quiet. It was like a, a rain cloud over his head. And the dude, you know, when you watch him play, he's got so much energy. But at the same time, it's like something's not quite right with him, right? Well, he comes out the other day, hits the home run, couple of hits, grabbing the trident, wouldn't let it go. And then he's bouncing around after that. He's got tons of energy. And he's even said, he goes, look, you know, my performance, I didn't want to drag other guys down in the clubhouse. So basically, he's speaking for the last couple of months. Now, I know he didn't go out and go 20 for 20. I get it. But at the same time, that's the direction he needs to go as a player. Now, he's hitting 160, 170, 180, something like that. All right. He may only hit 200 this year. But one thing that boosts his value and, and word gets around and everything else and the way he can help out this team, the guy's been around forever. Guys look up to him, whether he thinks that or not. He's probably walking around going, look, Caballero or, or whoever, any young player is probably looking at me going, uh, you know, th- this is through his lens, right? So he's probably looking at me going, well, I'm hitting 160. They don't want to hear from me. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I played with some dudes who were, had a six older guys who, when I was young, I was scuffling a little bit. I was trying to like, you know, sort of um, find my way. And if they came up to me and started talking to me a certain way and about how, hey, man, like this and that and, and, and it's going to be okay or, or what, I don't know, whatever the words are, this all depends. I'm going to friggin' listen. It's so powerful. It's unreal how powerful it is, even if it does. But I get it. If you're a veteran player and you're sitting there with a one, uh, 160 batting average and you're struggling and having it a bomb until uh, that Yankee series, you're kind of sitting there going, yeah, yeah. This guy's not going to take me seriously, but they do, man. And that's that's kind of the difference. So that standard setter for what the standard is inside that clubhouse, you've got still have so many new guys, man. When you're talking about fresh in their um, seasons, I'm talking, look, I know Logan Gilbert's been around for a couple of years now. I know Cal Rowley's the uh, catch behind the dish, everything else. But it's still so fresh for a lot of these guys. Yes, they struggled last year, but it was kind of that, We'll see what happens now. All of a sudden, it's it's playoffs or bust, right? That's kind of like the the tone uh, inside the locker room. So, the, a lot of these guys, it's the first time, but there is some good things um, on the horizon. I believe, I really do. I think that even though they're coming out of this road trip, you, you lost two in Baltimore, a couple battles too, by the way. You start to see. I hate to say it, you're starting to see the better at bats. You really are. And it starts with my man in the middle, Teoscar Hernandez, all right? Teoscar, I'm telling you right now, he is going to be an absolute weapon in the second half of the season. There's so many good trends here for him. First of all, you go back, and I talked about this on this podcast, and I talked about it a lot on there. Teoscar Hernandez could not lay off a slider to save his life. And I'm talking about pitches in the zone, out of the zone. In the zone, he's just, he talked about his timing being off. He's kind of slow. Everything felt like it was sluggish, everything, but... He was chasing sliders. So no one in the month of April got more sliders than Teoscar Hernandez and no one chased more than Teoscar Hernandez. But look at some of these numbers. Um, Look at some of these numbers, right? First of all, the swing percentage on sliders hasn't changed a whole lot. 
But the usage against him has changed. And here's why. You cannot just keep feeding the dude sliders because I'm telling you right now, you, you he's, if he's not going to swing, right? If he's not going to say, if he's not going to swing and miss, then you just simply can't throw. You have to go to plan B. So check this out. The swing and miss rate has gone from 42%, right? In the month of June, it's down to 28%. Now, we've all seen the numbers. He's hitting well over 300, crushing the ball. His exit velo has gone up five miles per hour. But 42% to 28.8%, when you're starting a game and you look at that, go, oh, whoa, hold on. He's down in the low 30s for, for swing and miss on sliders. I can't make a mistake against that. So in other words, if I throw a slider up, man, if he's not going to chase his pitch because the chase rate's gone down, the swing percentage has stayed the same, but the chase rate has gone down a ton, right? If he's not going to chase or if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to be in bad counts. Therefore, I have to start throwing more fastballs. And that's what he's getting. He's starting to get his mistakes. And it comes down to him just laying off pitches. So you look at some of the other things he's doing too. Now, what about plan B with the off-speed pitches? Off-speed pitches, swing and miss has gone from 60% down to 18%. Insane. So he is starting to get dialed in. He's recognizing pitches. And this guy, he said he's a slow starter. That this is insane. What he's done in the month of June is awesome. So what happens is not only is he going to stay on this tear, maybe not, but the difference is if I'm a starting pitcher, there's I need different ways to get the guy out. I just can't keep feeding him the same pitches. Simple as that. So that's a huge sign. Now, when you have your four-hole hitter doing that kind of stuff, a pitch recognition, not swinging and missing, not being that gaping hole. Yes, he leads the league in strikeouts. That's going to change. The trend of that is going to change. I promise you right now. When you do that, it changes everyone else around him too. So some of the strikeout numbers you look at, you know, you're looking at Tioska has got 100, right? Uh, Jared Kelnick's got 95. Eugenio Suarez is 93. Well, they're all hovering around him in the lineup, all right? So what happens is when you have a situation where your main, your big power hitter is swinging and missing the way he is, you can totally go chase chase mode with him. You're like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to get out of the strike zone because he's not patient enough. He's just going to swing. If I can start punching tickets on him, right, then all of a sudden it changes everything for the rest of the lineup. If I'm in, hitting in front of him and behind, if I'm facing, I'm talking from a pitcher standpoint, if I'm facing someone in front of him or behind him, then I can basically, if I cannot i cannot they cannot get on base right so i have to throw more strikes if i have to throw him them more strikes um then because i can't leave the base runners on guess what all of a sudden in the strike zone more there's going to be less chases so when you have your four hole hitter starting to recognize pitches good things happen and by the way i didn't even i forgot to tell you check this shirt out by the way if you're watching on youtube or swipe up on spotify Blink-182, I went to the concert last night. I know a lot of people listen to this at my age. If you're a Blink-182 fan, you might be rolling your eyes. That's all good. Loved them. Late 90s, that kind of turned me into... Uh, that's when I started dating girls when I was 15, 16. I was Blink-182 and I was Rage Against the Machine with my two bands. But if I had to get like kind of emo-ish and I was like get my heart broken by you know, some girl or my first ever girlfriend, Carly Elliott, then it was all straight Blink-182. All right, and I took my wife, Amanda, there and... She was dancing along. I said, do you know this song? Half the song she she wasn't really into when, when we were in high school. Not that we went to high school together, but these these dudes were big in Australia, man. So it was so much fun watching them last night. I just wanted to address that because you're probably thinking, what's with the Blink-182 shirt? Check it out. I got this last night. By the way, 45 bucks. I reckon this shirt costs four bucks. As you all know, I'm pretty a bit of a cheapskate, right? This shirt probably costs four bucks. 
I'm telling you, 45 bucks, what a markup. That's how they're making all that money, apparently. All right, let's move on. All right, let's talk about George Kirby, something which is pretty interesting and something I think he can correct because he has that that command foundation. But what he's doing against lefties, man, George is having a great year. Great year. The the walk rate's under two. It's his, nearly historic, man. Like, amount of strikeouts per walk, it's insane. He's just not walking people. But one thing that's kind of alarming with George Kirby is how what he's doing against lefties, especially lately. So we saw the Baltimore Orioles had seven lefties in the lineup yesterday. Okay, he still pitched a really good game. But there's a couple uh, at-bats there which were pretty interesting. So let's look at some of the numbers here for George Kirby in the month of June. And this is kind of like a little bit of a trend I'm starting to see. The slider, lefties are hitting 500 against the slider. The sinker, they're hitting 400. Right? And by the way, I can get into the hard hit rates and all that. I'm just using batting average to keep it simple. The split, they're hitting 200, but he's only throwing that pitch 8.6% of the time. So there was an at-bat yesterday, Santander, who hit the ball out. So if you notice, George loves to throw that uh, two-seamer that runs back in, has a ton of horizontal movement. Last year, is up around uh, five. In. Let me just double-check this. Double-check it because he's yesterday when I was watching him pitch, all right, so the sinker, he's lost a little bit of horizontal, right, against average. So in other words, he's 15.8 inches of break, which running horizontally. Last year, he was 16.2, which is kind of interesting. Is he throwing it harder though, 95? Yeah, he's throwing, he's throwing a little bit harder. That's probably why. There you go. That's probably why. But horizontal movement, it's ridiculous, man. He's got that pitch, and he's such a good uh, – his, his command's off, off the hook, so he can go in on, on lefties, and that pitch just runs back out over the plate. We've all seen it, right? That's his, that's his big weapon. So yesterday, George Kirby had an at-bat against Santander, and you can see him pounding in and pounding up and in, and he was getting – first of all, he's on the black, and then all of a sudden he goes a swing and miss, and then he tried to go back to it, and he missed – by not George, George Kirby standards, like missed way out of the strike zone, okay? And what was interesting too, I'm thinking, that, okay, this is split time, right? Now, this is early in the game. He decided to go uh, throw the curveball in that situation, left it out over the plate, and the, and the dude hit it out for, for a home run. So it was interesting. I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, first of all, he's either going to go back that two-seamer in. He obviously didn't have the, the feel for the movement on that pitch. Like he wasn't able to, to start it off the plate and get it back in. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, for sure, let's go split here. But he didn't go split. So he started to throw that pitch a little bit later on in the game. So I, I find this interesting. I think with him, with this splitter, and, and the usage is starting to slowly go up, especially against lefties. We've talked about this with Logan Gilbert. I don't quite think he's comfortable throwing that pitch just yet because his slider and his curveball are getting hit hard against lefties. It was kind of strange to see him go for that pitch. Yes, I know lefty out over the plate. I get it. But even in that situation, I don't know if he would have gotten a swing and miss uh, because guys guys just aren't swinging and missing at it, especially lefties. Like, for example, you look at the, the whiff rate on the curveball right against lefties. I'm just looking. Here we go. Let me have a, have a look here. So you're looking at this. You've got on the – on the sinker, it's 22% against lefties. On the curveball, it's 16%, right? The split is 42.9%. The I think it's the the split is the way to go here. Again, I've been there before. I'm not George Kirby. He obviously didn't feel that way. It's something that's going to take a little bit of time. But here's the good news. When he starts figuring that pitch out and he's comfortable throwing it in those big counts against a guy like Santander hit like five home runs in the last six games or whatever it is. Once he starts figuring that pitch out, 
good things are going to happen. I think he's going to be totally fine against lefties. I just think that sometimes when he loses that that two seamer that runs back out back over the plate, then all of a sudden he has to come up with plan B and he kind of elects to go with slider or curveball. He did that against Rizzo too uh, last time out against the Yankees. And lefties, by the way, hit him really well last time out. I mean, I think he, lefties hitting like well over 400 against him. So that's one thing he's struggling with. But once he gets that split, I guarantee him and Woody, Pete Woodworth is are working on that in certain counts and he's comfortable when the crowd's loud and it's the fifth inning runner on second, whatever. I think you're going to see it because he got a couple swings and misses later on in the game. That was filthy um, against, I think it was Gunnar Henderson and uh, Aaron Hicks later on in the game. Filthy pitch. Once he gets that and he gets that nice little consistent two-seam run, which he seems to get as the game goes on more and more, uh, he's going to be good to go. But it's just something interesting when you're looking at George Kirby of late. Now, keep that in mind. He has been ridiculously good. All right, let's talk about the Mariners overall too. Like, where, where do they stand? Like, th- these are some of the weird numbers. They've been way better at home. Way, way better at home. The guy pitching tonight, Luis Castillo, has been ridiculously better at home. For example, nine starts at home, he's got a two. Flat out, nearly a straight two ERA opponents hitting 169. On the road, he's 0-4 with a 4-2-4 ERA with eight bombs allowed. Um, and and uh, what else we got? And an 0-16 record. That's right. Um, and the other part of it is too, when you look at the Mariners overall record, we're talking about, look, they're 21 and 17 at home, 16 and 22 on the road. Now the other alarming thing, I'm not talking about home and road splits, splits, but when you think about the Mariners, we've talked about these one run games, right? But some of these close games, we're talking here, where is it? Where is it? I've got it in front of me. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Each of the, okay, so each of the four losses on the road trip are one or two uh, from one or two runs. So the Mariners either smashed the Yankees or the Orioles, or if it's a close game, they're just not getting over the hump for a couple reasons. But you look at the ninety-seven and seventy-one in, in, um, in twenty-six games by by two runs or fewer um, in the last couple of years. We're in twenty-one and twenty-two, but right now. Um, the, the Mariners are eight games under 500, 15, 23, when decided by two runs. So that's something, man. Remember, everyone used to talk about, oh, well, hey, is this just luck setting in? But now they're just on the on the bad end of it. I think they're getting a little overwhelmed um, by good pitches late in games. I've talked about that a ton. I'm sick of talking about that, even though they got um, Mike Ford, got Felix Bautista late. But, but plus pitches, like I think they're down there in 95 mile per hour plus, which is kind of, which is a little bit like an overwhelming sign. Um, but when you're looking at this team for the second half of the year, fan graphs have them at what? 15.4% chance of making the playoffs. Okay. I want to say they were down there at this point of the year last year as well. I haven't had a look. If you know it, you can correct me. Let me know. Um, if you, if you know what the numbers are, but they're around this mark last year. The bats just have to get better. They're striking out a ton. We talked about Tio. He's leading the league in strikeouts. I think that's gonna that trend's gonna change a little bit. But Jared Kelnick's at 95. Eugenio Suarez is 93. So all these guys are in the bottom 10, you know, bottom 10% uh, in strikeouts. So they've got the uh, Washington Nationals, who, by the way, don't strike anyone out. They're 29th when it comes to putting guys away, striking out. So that's a really, really good. Uh, matchup for the Mariners. They need to get just some kind of consistency, especially when they head out on these road trips as well. Um, they're just not getting those, not getting back off that plane in Seattle and and feeling good about their road trip. So, you know, 
All right, guys. I have to wrap this up here in a second. Grant Balfour's coming back later on in the week. Uh, I've got a million things I've got to get to. I've got to go co-host some radio. I just realized I'm looking at my watch. That's why I'm getting a little distracted here because I've got to get moving. But um, here, let me throw some – I'm just going to throw some other fun numbers at you real quick. Um, Cal Raleigh's home at Sunday in Baltimore. hitting 324 with three home runs and seven RBIs in his last 11 games. That's a good sign. Teosco Hernandez is heating up. We talked about that already quite a bit. you got Luis Castillo on the mound. I think this is a nice little call it a bounce back. Walk four dudes, throwing a bunch of sliders. I don't like when Luis Castillo throws a boatload of sliders. That's just telling me he's just not feeling that fastball at all. But he's got the Nationals. I think he's going to absolutely dominate them uh, tonight. That's my pick. All right, guys. I've been going on for too long. I just want to do a couple breakdowns. I want to talk about our new sponsor, Manscaped. Get on it. Remember, go to manscaped.com, PTS. And if you haven't already subscribed, please. Grant Balfour is going to be joining me later on the week. It is good to be back. Blink-182 was awesome. I have to get out of here. Guys, we'll talk to you later on in the week. See ya.